are listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined, as always, by Ryan Shutt and an abbreviated intro. And we are here to talk Suns basketball. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. I miss my boy, Coach Russ, but I am grateful and blessed to be here with you. Well, uh, for those that are regulars with the show and said that sounded like a choppy intro <laughs> you're right um nailed it want to go ahead and start by kind of just doing some general housekeeping here uh i know a lot we of people, got rid of philip no we didn't i love philip no but we um lots of things are going on and as i'm guessing a lot of you are excited to be like let's talk about the suns losing six of their last seven let's get right into it I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait just a moment. Uh, want to give some just general podcast life updates, I guess. Um, we announced in the past, we announced last episode that we are going to a new home that is officially done. We are now uh, with fans first on the Helio Hoops Network. And not only are we there, we are also super excited to bring on Stephen Garner and bring on a new show for him that we're working on. So this feed that you are listening to right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever is also where you're going to find Steven's show. It is also where you're going to start finding our post-game podcasts, which will have a different album artwork. A post-game podcast? A post-game podcast. Do you know we don't have one of those? We're about to. What? I know. Isn't that crazy? For the one idiot who doesn't live on the Eastern Time or have a small kid yet, they thought it was a good idea to start doing post-game pods. Here's here's the thought, ladies and gentlemen listening. We typically, up until this point, we've been doing this for a little over two years. Almost with every week, our episodes have got longer. And for those that ride with us, we appreciate the heck out of you. We know that there are some days where you open your phone and you go, those idiots went for an hour and 15 again. Okay, I guess I'm going to do this. And for you. I salute you. For others, I know that life's busy. And so we want to try to make our episodes that we're putting out into the world a little more digestible. That means maybe cutting back a little bit on our normal hour and 15 into the valley and finding other ways to talk. So instead of us feeling the need to cover all four games for the week in some level of detail, if we're sprinkling that in throughout the week after the games, then we can just get together and talk about what we want. Um, Steven's show, I don't want to kind of put a concrete, like put them in a box of what it's going to be. It, it's one of those things where the three of us really, really think highly of Steven. We think Steven knows hoops, does a good job articulating that his writing is phenomenal. And so when we made the decision to kind of bring him on board, the goal was not to put him in a box, but I think part of the direction that, uh, we gave him in in doing this is like, look, man, we trust you to do your own thing. Uh, he's got podcast experience covering other teams. His writing is phenomenal for the Suns. And so whether that's doing deep dives into what he's seeing on the court, whether those are weird topics that he wants to talk about, good. We want that. Um, our goal for our podcast and kind of what we want to build here with this new network is that it's not just a place to hear what happened on the court, but about how the Suns did what they did and why they did what they did. And genuinely, 
learn more about the game, which makes it more enjoyable. And I would say if you're not familiar with Steven, uh, the first thing you should do is give him a follow on Twitter. Um, at stay true s dot three is his Twitter handle. Um, highly recommend it. Ethan's already touched on this, but the the dude knows hoops, whether it's talking about just the night in night out stuff or getting down into the X's and O's. Um, as anybody who's listens to this show knows, I am the fan of the group. Ethan and Philip are the brains and the X's and O's guys. And, and Steven is just going to elevate that even more. Um, the dude knows his stuff. Um, give him a follow on Twitter and keep an eye out for that new podcast on the feed. Cause, um, we, we are excited to listen. So, uh, we hope that others are as well. Yeah. I don't always like, as the one who as edits all the podcasts, um, I live through our podcast and I'm not always excited to go listen back and edit it. But with Stevens, I'm like, all right, I get to listen. I get to be the first one to listen every week. So uh, we're excited about that. Want to remind you again, this is a whole new thing that we're doing. This is hopefully taking some of our audience that we've we've built and established and have come to appreciate over the last two years. But we know that we're moving somewhere completely different. So that means you're going to have to go find us. You're going to have to resubscribe on any of those podcast platforms. Um, we love that we do have the YouTube channel where we are recording right now and where we'll continue to record every Saturday morning live. But we know that it's going to take some time to kind of get through the, the, the growing pains, I guess. Um, so we're not big self-promo people, but we're going to say it on the top of the episode and then we'll let it go for a little bit. If you would, if you're someone who's been listening for since the OG independent days for the last year plus with Brightside, or you're just hopping on the train now, never asked for you to go subscribe before. I'm going to ask for you to do it now. Um, that way, you know where to find us, especially if you are used to seeing us on a different feed. And then something I've definitely not asked for, leave us a review. We never did that in the past because we were on a channel where we had other podcasts coming in and out and, you know, maybe you liked them, you didn't like us or the other way around. And maybe you don't always want to get stuck with us or them or whoever. I feel like what we're putting together here is going to be some good stuff completely. And I think if you accidentally subscribe for us and then you get Steven, you're going to be pleasantly surprised and may forget about us completely. Who knows? But feel free to do that. Um, if you're watching on YouTube down in the description, you'll find those links. I have been spamming them on Twitter. I am so very sorry to all of our wonderful followers there. Hey, don't uh, apologize for the hustle, Ethan. You're doing what you got to do. It has been it has been a a, a something <laughs> trying to do everything to get this thing running without losing more than one week, which we are sorry for those that uh, missed last week. So, all right, that's enough talk about boring stuff. Let's talk about some losing basketball. Uh, I want to start by doing a bit of a pulse check, Ryan. I think you are on Twitter as much or more than I am. I know you you joke that that you're just you're just a fan, but I think one of the most vital parts of that is having a pulse of the fan and getting the general feel of how are not just random people on Twitter, but maybe our listeners feeling. And you know, we don't follow every single listener. Um, I'd be happy to if y'all reached out. But what is the vibe that you're currently picking up from the Suns universe? Whether it's merited or not is probably worth uh, a discussion in and of itself, but I feel like we definitely have a, a chicken little sky is falling mentality at the moment. Things, if you've been on Twitter um, in the Suns universe, <clears throat> excuse me, at all in the last, we'll say 10 to 14 days, um, really since Katie's injury, 
things have not been good. The moment that happened, um, things have continually, continuously digressed as far as I think fan morale has felt um, to the point where we are back having conversations. And I say we very liberally um, about whether or not Monty is the right person to coach the team. Uh, these insane, in my opinion, conversations are taking place when people really just need to probably get some counseling and take a deep breath. Like it's really uh, the, the pulse right now is not good, but it's also not merited in, in my opinion, based off of what's going on. There's some drastic takes. Have you seen any of this, Ethan? Oh, I got in a slight, I got slightly ranty on Twitter last night. I, oh, I saw, I, 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 I think you made, Here's the thing. I made, in my opinion, a personal mental health decision by unfollowing people whose opinions I got annoyed at seeing. And that was good for me over the years. And hopefully people aren't hopping on Twitter right now to see if I still follow them. But I, when it comes to Suns, I made the decision as the podcast got bigger and bigger that I didn't want to be, especially during the game, taking in just fan takes. So the the Geralds, the Kellens, Dwayne, people who are there with kind of their journalism hat on, I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, someone like Steven, someone like uh, David Nash, four-point play, people who are very analytical in their thinking and then kind of reserve the right to bring an opinion later on. I think that's valuable. I made a stupid decision of logging into the podcast Twitter account that does follow lots of the wonderful people who follow us. And it took me all of three and a half seconds to get really annoyed at just the Monty is the problem. Monty needs to get fired. This team's not a contender, even with DeAndre Ayton and KD back. Our depth is like, it got weirder and weirder in no time. And so I just hopped off that account, uh, ranted a little bit on the old personal account, and then called it a night because, and I, again, I, put it out there in a couple different forms and I want to share my own tweet, which is, you know, the most humble thing I can do. Hey, but uh, we don't like self promo. Yeah, for sure. We hate that. Um, <laughs> here is how, here's how I described everything from last night and this last week and a half, to be quite honest. Uh, the referees sucked. Oh, sorry. Uh, that was a draft. Um, here's the actual one. I tweeted uh, this game in parentheses, like most of the losses since Katie's injury, Falls into the category of frustrating loss, but if they had Kevin Durant, the Suns win by 10 or more. When you go all in on a superstar, you live and die by their availability. That's that's it. Like, if even if Jay Crowder continues to sit on his hands, if Kevin Durant is not on our team and we have a healthy Cam and McHale, we win four of the last six losses. If we have Kevin Durant on our team, we win five or six of them. That's what happens when you leverage your own strength, which was your depth, your amount of players who were readily available, which some people are probably chuckling at, given Cam Johnson's injury history and Jay Crowder's lack of presence. I don't, he's a ghost, essentially, for us. Like, that's what happened. And so you get Kevin Durant for, what, three games, and you immediately see how the puzzle pieces fit together, and then he's gone, and then you see that your puzzle is missing stuff all over. That shouldn't surprise you, right? Like that is that makes logical sense. Yet for some reason, our brains aren't sending good signals to Twitter fingers 
and Twitter fingers are like, ha ha ha, coach is stupid. It's like, like it's like it. the, the babies with object permanence where they see their mom, right? And the minute you cover their eyes, they just assume their mom has disappeared into the void. Kevin Durant's our mom in this instance, and we just like mm. forget how much better he made us. Mm. And so the minute he's off the court, it's like, oh, we must be terrible again. No, we're, we've played multiple games now without DA, who is a crucial piece to this team. We've played many more games than that without Kevin Durant. You have Landry Shamet coming back from injury and who's trying to find his way in the roster again. Things are just rough right now, and it's okay to recognize that. Absolutely. Yeah, Kevin Durant. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and throw Ryan's <laughs> quote on the uh, screen for the YouTube folks, just in case you join later. You can see uh, that Ryan thanks, said, Ethan. Kevin Durant is our mom. Uh, but no, I, I agree, man. And there's like, before I just become the ranting at the ranters, there, there is a fine line of like, I understand that some people have personal preferences and they're going to get upset. Like, I get that some people just don't like Landry. And if he does something wrong, they're going to be very quick to jump on it. If DeAndre Ayton doesn't go for a dunk, people are going to jump on it. There's a lot of little things, right? I just, I just get it, right? Like, I have players for some of my teams that I have a shorter fuse with them for whatever reason, warranted or not. It was really weird for me to see that the the group think mentality somehow turned at Monty last night. And I just asked the first time either, which right, is crazy. I, here's my thing. Think of any single team in the NBA. And if you want to make it easier, let's focus on playoff teams or even playoff contenders. I think at this moment, if you polled a hundred Suns fans, 90 plus would say that Kevin Durant is our best player and DeAndre Ayton is our third best player. I think Chris Paul has officially slipped to fourth comfortably. If I polled fans from the other contenders or the other good teams and I said, hey, if you played, honestly, go look at the games. You're looking at Warriors, you're looking at Bucks, you're looking at Kings twice, who people still pretend are a joke. If you played a, what I would call moderately hard stretch of the schedule without your top one and three guys, so for the Bucks, you're without Giannis and Chris, or maybe Giannis and Drew. Uh, let's say if you're the Celtics, you're with Jason Tatum and insert whoever you think their third is. I think there's weird things on that one. Uh, you're without Joel Embiid and even like a Tyrese Max. I, whoever, go through the line. Do you expect your team to win? Right? Like that's, I don't understand why we are somehow holding our team to a standard that's not fair. But you also have to, again, remember that some of these people were the same ones saying that we should tank about a month and a half ago. So like, you can't get bothered by it. So I I was intrigued by the direction the Suns fans, it seemed, were, were going online. And the reason I bring this up is if you are a listener, I want to hear from you. Uh, on Twitter, we're at the Valley PHX. Throw it on the screen here. I, last night, had actually, in my opinion, some reasonable discourse with some fans who replied to my tweet with either a question or a follow-up or a can you clarify, and I felt like it was healthy back and forth. There was no, like, we're angry at each other. It was genuinely, if this isn't the problem, what is? I love that. I think that is what makes, what can make Sun's Twitter good is like actual conversation. Uh, now, obviously, you can sprinkle in some very funny Sam Cooper, like, I know it's hot in <laughs> Phoenix, but go touch some grass. 
I think there's room for that as well, right? I think there's a balance. But I I just want to hear why people are upset. And what's funny is we said it on the show, uh, as if that doesn't matter. David Nats tweeted it. He's way smarter than us. And this was all before, like right after the Kevin Durant injury. It was actually, no, it was before because it was even with Kevin. It was mm-hmm. be ready for Monty to do some funkiest crap stuff with the lineup. And then follow up. People are going to get annoyed by it. We're here. That's it. That's what we're living in, right? And Kevin Durant being gone, I think, has just brought a bigger light to it. Because if Kevin was out there, even with the second unit for 20 minutes, there'd be a noticeable difference in the production. But he's not. So now you're playing more dudes in roles they shouldn't be playing for minutes they shouldn't be playing and expecting something else that you shouldn't have as an expectation. So I want to talk a little bit about what I'm deeming the other guys. Uh, I originally had the episode titled the others because in my mind I was thinking like from lost the bad guys. But then this morning I was like, that sounds a little xenophobic. Don't like that. Uh, let's play it safe. We're going to go with the Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg buddy cop movie. I appreciate that you felt the need to clarify something the that uh, nobody was privy oh, to. No, well, here's the clarified. problem. Because I just looked at the title and it said The Others Guys. Oh, how embarrassing. Tough. Oh, brutal. I think I can fix it. Well, now everyone, see, now everyone knows that it was a problem. So here's here is my. Helio Hoops. Ah, nope, it's it said it can't. It said it can't change. We're we're stuck. So here's here's what I wanted to ask you. I think that we have four dudes that are just chalk on the roster. You've got a starting lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, and Blank. I think the conversation at first, which always confused me, was who's the fifth starter? I felt it took two games for people to immediately say, who cares who the fifth starter is? Who's the fifth closer? Mm -hmm. And we've now seen that, I think, brought even more to the forefront as these games that we have lost, we're in them. Like the last Kings game last night, you are seeing clutch time minutes be played with a lineup without Kevin Durant or DeAndre Aiden, which is terrifying. And you're seeing what do some of these guys look like in the clutch, which is very alarming. So I wanted to ask you, as you look at the other guys, essentially those that are not in the group of four, who do you have the most confidence in right now? In clutch minutes just, or just in general? Just in, I'll just say in general. <clears throat> Probably the person I have the most confidence in on a night-to-night basis is Jock Landale. I feel like Jock is, is a guy who is going to bring it, who brings the hustle. Every night, there hasn't been many games since we've had Jock where I've looked at him and said that guy just didn't do his role tonight. There have mm-hmm. been other guys who I, I look at and I'm like, I know what you're like at your best. That wasn't it. Um, and maybe number one is a little high for Jock, but I think he's no, definitely I don't, top three. I don't um, think it as is I'm kind of working through this, but I think yeah. Jock is one of the most consistent plug-in pieces that we yep. have. No, and that's that's why I wanted to frame the question the way I did, not who do you have confidence in in that fifth spot. Yeah. I just want to know who you trust because I think Jock is nothing but consistent. And we Which, saw it in, in Kevin Durant's couple of games where the two of them really played well off each other. And in the first half last night, if you if you go back, I thought Chris played Paul, well. Chris yeah. Paul and Jock really had a great rhythm going. Chris Paul didn't have a great night last night, but he and Jock had a nice flow going. Uh, until that dumpster fire of the third quarter. Um, so to me, Jock, Jock is up there. 
I agree. I think if you're looking for who who do you know exactly what you're going to get, I think outside of some occasional finishing problems, everything else is where it needs to be. Now, position redundancy. We're never going to close with DeAndre Aiden and Jock Landale. So no matter right. what he does, I don't think he's fighting for that spot. I think he's fighting for the backup center spot, which I think should be his clearly. I'm not going to go on a roast busy rant. No, I'm full on the jock train. Busy, in, in busy is good at busy is good at blocking shots. That is a really cool thing that he does. That is about where my current feelings end in terms of concrete positives. So who's next? So you have jock and then you have, let me just bring, bring a group for you. We have Josh and I'm going to give, I'm going to go ahead and, and give you a little bit of my bias here. We have Josh Kogi defensively, everything you'd want. Not quite the perimeter defender I in space that people might think. Offensively, been the worst player on the court for the last 10 games. I dare you to go look at his numbers. They will make you vomit. It's rough. He has shot, unless it changed last night, which it might have, because he was like one I, of two at some point. I think for the last seven to eight games, he had shot over 50% from the field once, and that included a couple offers from three. And on top of that, the only plus was like he eventually started attacking the weakest of closeouts and getting some free throws. But overall, no, in in, uh, in 21 minutes last night, he was one for two from the floor. There we go. So technically, he does get to add to Ethan's stat of 50 percent or better, but in a real weak way. I get it. So Akogi, in my opinion, absolute. Th- this is not a question mark right now. Given the run of play, an absolute offensive liability who defensively is great. We have Terrence Ross showed last night. I think what we all know is possible, Mm -hmm. which is the occasional occasional. Let's make sure everyone doesn't expect 30 points every night. uh, Spark plug offensive weapon. Still a liability on defense. Defensively still struggling to figure it out. I thought last night he had a couple. And when I say a couple, I mean, like I, I have my notebook downstairs two or three times where he switched properly, which that doesn't need to be a like a woohoo thing for an NBA player. Nice. But there was a couple times where you saw that it clicked naturally without having to think. Monty actually said in the, I think it was a pre-game press conference, or maybe it was after practice the day before, we have a lot of new guys in here trying to fit into a new system. We got to give them time. So I think Monty's aware whether the, whether he was uh, mentioning Terrence Ross in his mind or not, that was what it was. TJ Warren, who seemed to start in the doghouse, but Monty is consistently given a longer leash and more minutes. I thought last night, not too he bad. Was, he was all around okay plus. Offensively, he shined in ways that he has done in his past where he succeeded. Defensively, he was one of my three stars. And some people who are love net ratings and defensive ratings and whatever are like, well, he allowed this. He did that. I don't care. I test hustled hard, fought through screens, incredibly quick on his reactions. I thought he did very well defensively, which is a step above what he's been doing. So pretty well. But if you're looking like in the last week, still not great. Landry Shamit clearly coming back from being out for a long time. You see parts where it makes sense. You see parts where it doesn't. I usually give him his flowers for defensively knowing where he's supposed to be. 
he straight up got spun a couple times last night where he looked lost in the sauce. Not a great night. Shooting, he's actually, for being as rusty as he was, looked okay. And then I don't even know if we put campaign in this group, not just because of his current cold streak, but because of the position. Position redundancy. Yeah, I could never sense. imagine him being the fifth. There's never going to be then, a closeout scenario where he's on the floor with Chris right. and Book. And then finally, Tory Craig. Continuing to crash offense boards. Defensively doing pretty well. I mean, I think his his help side protection around the rim has been good. He he's still a step slow, but he's a good physical body. Offensively, though, can't shoot the ball again. We're not getting the 43% from three Tory. We got the first half of the season. We're getting the oh crap, what's gonna happen? That is the other guys, and one of them has to be the fifth closer in the playoffs. So I go back to my initial question out of that group. And I'm trying to not just think last night. I'm trying to think last week or so. Who do you trust right now? And you know, that's not a statistically who makes sense. That's who do you trust as a fan who has watched all of these games night in and night out? I right now, what right this minute, I'm still going with Okogi. I know his offense is abysmal, but when he's surrounded by four incredibly talented offensive playmakers, I I think you can cover that up a little bit. And for the defense he brings late game, I think at this point, he is the best piece. Um, Now, if Terrence Ross can figure it out, do I think he could be valuable? Possibly. Ish Wainwright, we didn't really mention, but we've seen him close out a couple games. He had that one game a he week seems, and a half to two weeks ago. Him but, and Damian Lear seem to be in the doghouse. But they're right. They're but they're they've kind of yeah been been kind of on the the back end of things. Which uh, who knows what's going on there? But I think I think it's Okogi. I, I really do, and I don't love that necessarily. But I think that's the safest play. Now, what are, what are your thoughts? I I try not to be a prisoner of the moment and i try not to be super tiny sample size what we have are three games with kevin durant that's it what we saw going back to the game against dallas is when a team defensively in the clutch time in a close game is facing a phoenix suns team of chris devin ayton durant blank their go-to strategy is going to be we leave someone open in the corner. And Josh Okogie in that game against Dallas, if you remember, he shot as the fifth starter and closer, three of 13, 0 of 8 from 3 in 22 minutes. Now again, I don't think that's normal. But let's say that we tweak it up to his averages, right? Let's say he ends up going 5 of 13, 2 of 8. I still don't don't love it. I don't either. And and the other part of it is where in your mind when it comes to like closing basketball come playoff time, where do you want to maybe have the edge offensive or defensive side of things? For me, I want offensive. Like when you watch games get decided in the playoffs in a close game, we watched it in person in Milwaukee. If you have extra dudes 
or one dude that's got that extra. I mean, we got we got Bobby Portist, right? Like that dude had something offensively that he could provide that allowed him to do more than just be a defensive three to four. For me, and this is still with they need to get right. I think with the four that we have written set in stone, the one skill that is a necessity is this dude's got to hit an open shot from three. Got to. Because even in the Dallas game, you saw how hard they doubled KD or book or had to hedge everything and shift. Someone is going to be wide open. And here's, here's where I think it's important. We don't need that person, Josh Landry, whoever to go seven of eight from three, because if they hit their first two, I guarantee you gravity will swing back their direction and you will open the court again. And then you can't double KD as hard and you can't double Devin as hard because you don't, you can't afford to leave a 43% three point shooter wide open on a night where he's hitting. I think Josh Okogie will have more nights where he goes oh for five than he does four for five. And I know statistically that's like, well, duh, that's how it works. I just, that's just how I see it. And if you're asking the drop off, I am more worried about the drop-off in offense with the Kogi out there than I am the defense with Landry out there. Because so again, you're saying, like, go, you're saying go Landry and, yeah, and I mean, take the risk on defense and say if they, if so I'm thinking. And I think the second unit, and if we're going outside at closing, I think the second unit needs to be small ball five with Kevin at the five. Yes. I, and I think that's because, because I love Jock, but play, playoff basketball to me, the reason rotations are, eight man ish is you're trying to mitigate liabilities. So if you can find a flow that works and people aren't getting their legs destroyed, that involves us not having certain players out there longer than they need to, you got to do it. So I'm currently looking at the other guys. I am saying Landry is the fifth closer and I'm hoping to see some trial and error when Kevin comes back potentially next Thursday against the Timberwolves, I think was what was reported, or I guess upcoming Wednesday or something like that. You know, dates are hard. Um, but I think I think both of us represent the two largest camps. I think everyone is officially out of the Tory Craig race. I think Damian Lee has gotten cold from three and is just non-available at this point. But I think the two of us are representing the two biggest Camps, and, and I think want, yours is what, the much larger and louder. And it's camp. do you want one extra one extra stop or one extra shot? And that's really kind of what you're looking at, right? And I mean, with the way the Suns have been playing on defense, I don't know who if it matters who the fifth person is. And but yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, well, I want to pick this back up next week when we have Philip, and we'll have another week of games upcoming. We've got the Sixers tonight at 9 p.m. So I'm, I usually don't put this out until Sunday, record Sunday, Saturday morning. Uh, I'm going to try to go ahead and put this out today, actually. That way, if people want to listen before the Sixers game, they can. Then we've got Jazz Monday, Timberwolves Wednesday, hopefully Kevin Durant's return, and then the Nuggets Friday. And then do we have another? And then we don't play till Sunday. So we'll be able to record Saturday with a, good, a full slate of games. Um, again, I'm, I think you nailed it. There's a lot of skies falling happening. I'm not ready for that. I think any team going through this would expect to see some, some learning curves and when, or learning curves, you know what I mean? Growing pains. Yeah. 
And when you throw in TJ Warren, who's not been with the team, you throw in Terrence Ross, who's not been with the team, you throw in Jay Crowder, who's still not with the team. Not sure how that works. Uh, there's a lot of change happening. So I think, I think we just need to pump the brakes, man. I'm tired of just being that guy, but I think we do like all this crap has happened and we're sitting at fourth or fifth in the West. It's all right. I mean, I know people are scared. There's like a five game difference between uh, what third and eleventh or fourth and eleventh. Like, I'm already seeing. Yeah, I think, I'm already I think seeing Kellen the polls. Olsen, I think Kellen Olson presented a uh, alternate timeline where every team four through nine finishes forty one and forty one. Yeah, I know. What a world that would be. Look, here's the thing. I think if you got Kevin Durant on your team, and I did not tweet this because I didn't want to get attacked. If you told me that we're the third seed, we're the eight seed. I don't. We're fine. I'm not worried. If we get Kevin Durant healthy and our guys are healthy, the winning will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Ryan, anything to add before we bring this thing to a close? No, I, w- I would just say, you know, understand that we're playing with our two of our four biggest pieces missing. It's okay to take a breath. I understand it's hard. Also, to- also biggest in terms of size, by the way. Also, our two best rim protectors. Also Sorry. true. Sorry, busy. <laughs> but I think I think the Suns are experiencing something. Suns fans are experiencing something where it's hard once you finally get something really nice and important to you, like winning. It's hard to have that slip away, mm-hmm. and I think we don't know how to respond to that because it felt like we finally got there with the finals run, the record breaking season, and then Kevin Durant. And so when when you struggle for years to get something of value, you do everything you can to hold on tightly to it. And I think we just don't know how to respond to the obstacles that come alongside the greatness we're pursuing. And it's okay to just take a breath sometime and be like, hey, we'll get through it. We've got guys coming back. And Monty being fired is not the answer. Amen, brother. Uh, thank you guys for joining here on YouTube. Uh, if you are finding the feed for the very first time since it's brand new welcome hopefully you'll stick around we'll be here every saturday morning uh, and a lot of new exciting stuff coming as well for ryan and philip who would typically say go sun right now i am ethan shut he's into the valley the phoenix suns podcast we out